How's everybody? Everybody good? Sweet. If you'll go to your Bibles, you can go to Mark chapter, we're going to be in Mark chapter 8 today. Mark chapter 8 today. And one of the things I want to talk to you about today is is a, a victorious life. And I've been praying about this, thinking about this for a while, trying to figure out how do we come at this. And because I hear this a lot, uh, I want, a, I want a, a, a victorious life or I want a life that's victorious or this idea of what does victory look like in my walk with Jesus in spite of all the things that tend to come at us sometimes or the things that tend to weigh us down in life and all of this. And so I wanted to, as your pastor, say here's what I believe a, a life in victory looks like. And so it's defined differently than in our world because victory is, is whether you win or lose. If you win a battle, you win a war, then you're victorious. If you win a game or if you win a, a competition, then you have victory. But in the spiritual life, it looks different. In God's economy, it looks a little bit different for us today. And I want us to look at that and define that and see what that really means. And so go to Mark chapter 8, 22 to 26. And before I, you guys, as y'all turn there, I just want to share some good news with you. So the past month of October, even a little bit of September, we, so we looked at a series and went through what a next step would look like as a church. And so we walked through uh, about five weeks of this. And on the end, I asked you guys to commit to give something towards our next step. And what I am blown, you guys continue as a church to, to blow me away with your generosity. And so just as a church for this next step, just as a first step, over uh, $51,000 was committed for this year towards that. So that's awesome. Thank you for that. Um, and then the bad, one of the, the good parts about that is, is that some people came up to me afterwards and said, hey, we were missing or we, we, we missed our opportunity to commit. So something's coming soon. So just look for that. So that's not even where we're at. So there's even more commitments coming in. But I am blessed as your pastor above all else that you guys have responded what God laid on your heart and you responded to God stirring and his movement. And you didn't hold back, but you stepped out in faith and said, here's what we're going to commit to do. And so to me, that blesses my heart more than anything. So thanks for that. Also, thank you for the video. Nate, thanks for putting that together and all your hard work in that. Um, thank you for being a church that loves me and uh, my family. Um, and so thank you very much for, for just all that you guys do. Y'all make it easy to be a pastor. Um, so thank you for that. So let's go to Mark. So there's a story that takes place in Bethsaida, and, uh, and it's on the northwest uh, part of the Sea of Galilee, and it's a fishing town. And this particular town, and, and the way this works, this particular town in this area, uh, some of the disciples came from this area. But in this particular place, uh, Jesus had said earlier on that um, he, he compared them uh, to being worse than Sodom and Gomorrah because they lacked faith, they lacked belief. And so to paint you a picture of what this town looked like before we jump into the story, there was a, there was a town that was filled with unbelief and a town that even if they saw the greatest miracles, that they still denied who Jesus was and they didn't, get a lot, didn't believe who he was. And so it's kind of like a lot of times in our world today, a lot of us have seen God do some amazing things And yet in the midst of seeing these amazing things in our own lives and the lives of others, 
we still tend to doubt because we get caught up in our own personal stuff and we get caught up in our own world and we, we fail to realize that we have a God that's amazing and a God that continues to move and continue to work. And so when we look at that, we can see that God's going to move in some amazing ways. And in this particular town is what we're dealing with is this town that God, that Jesus said, your guys' unbelief can be compared to Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you don't know Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, there was such evil in that town that God destroyed it. Um, to give you a comparison of what, what took place there. But in this particular town, there was a blind man. And some of his friends decided that uh, this was this time for this blind man to get healed. And so Jesus was in this town. And so they brought his their friend to Jesus. And the, their friends came up to Jesus and said, Hey, if you'll just touch him, just touch him, Jesus, and he'll be healed. And Jesus, in his ultimate wisdom, have you ever noticed that Jesus doesn't like to work the same every day? Like in every situation, like we expect, we think we've got it figured out. We think we've got Jesus figured out. So a lot of times we'll be like, well, you worked this way in the, my last situation, so I think you're going to work. And so that a lot of times people tend to try to put Jesus in this box. And that's what this blind man's friends were doing is, listen, you've touched all these people and healed them, so you need to do that again, Jesus. And he goes, nah, I think I'm going to do it my way. And, and just so you just you just deal with it that I'm going to do it my way. And sometimes we just need to be willing to say, you know what, Jesus has got his own way of working, and we just need to trust him. So what Jesus did was something pretty amazing. Rather than sit there and reach out and touch him, which that would have been the simple thing to do. That would have been the easy, convenient thing to do because Jesus, being a busy man, could have just reached out, touched him, healed him, sent him on his way. But Jesus has got something else in store. See, Jesus wanted us to learn something from what he did. He wanted the people around to learn something from what he did. He had a reasoning reason for why he did what he did. So he actually did this. He took the blind man and he, and he took him by the arm. And he said, hey, let's, let's guide. he guided him out of the village. He got him out of the village. And I love this because he didn't keep him in that town that lacked belief. He took him outside of the town, the village that lacked belief. And in this place he went and, 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 nor, and there's a story where Jesus spit in some mud and he wiped the mud, he mixed the spit and the mud together, put it on the eyes and told the blind man to go walk. Well, he didn't even do that. He didn't even do that. He goes, <laughs> and just, I'm just kidding. But he spit in this guy's eye. Like this guy's eye, spit in his eyes. Now, how many of you, if you got spit on, would start throwing blows? Right? We get mad. Like some, that's why y'all don't sit up close here is because you don't want to get spit on. I get it. But Jesus, like, he sits there and he, so he, he, you know, he gets us and he just spits in this dude's eye. And I'm just sitting there as a blind, I'm like, dude, what, this better work or we're, we've got issues, Jesus, right? So he spits in his eyes and then Jesus puts his hands over his eyes. And he takes them away and he says, open and look. And the man opens and he looks and he says, I see, I see things moving, but they're, like trees, wasn't clear. And so some of us say, wait a minute, did Jesus get it wrong the first time? Like he's Jesus, he, it shouldn't take him more than once to heal somebody, right? And he goes, he goes There's, it's fuzzy, I'm not seeing clearly. Do you think it's amazing that the man who has, was blind actually knew that he was supposed, what he was supposed to be looking at? Is it possible, now scripture doesn't say it, but is it possible that this man went blind later on in life? 
So Jesus takes his hands again, and he, and he says, hey, let's try this again. He puts it over his eyes, and he says, now look. And the man's vision is clear. And then Jesus said, do not go back into this village. Don't go back there. I want you to go home. Now, the village represented a lot. It represented a place where he could go and beg. It represented a place that, that, that he knew, a place that he could go and get income. And, Jesus, and it also represented a town that was filled with unbelief. Jesus said, don't go back there. Go to your home. And you notice this, too. Jesus didn't tell him not to tell anybody. He said, just don't go back. So in this story, we see this man that, that came and experienced a victorious life. A man that experienced victory over not being able to see. A man that experienced victory over something that handicapped him. That experienced victory over something that held him in bondage and captivity. He experienced victory over, over something that he was wrestling with in life and that he was held to, which was his blindness. And here's what it takes. Here's, and here's what's interesting to me. See, we'll, we'll spend the rest of our lives trying to figure out what it means to have a victorious spiritual life. And see, what we have to understand is we don't fight, we don't come at, at our lives from a place of defeat. We have already, it's already been claimed by Jesus. And so we already have victory. The problem is, is we don't walk in it. See, when Jesus went to the cross and he died for us and he rescued us from all our junk, he gave us victory over life. And one of our biggest struggles is this, we don't want to live in it. We don't want to walk it out because we're trying to get it in, a, in our own mind, in our own world way of thinking that i got to conquer something. And I'll, here's my message for you today is that Jesus has already conquered it. Try, stop trying to conquer it. He's already set you free. Stop trying to figure it out. But so what does it look like for us to experience victory? I'm going to share with you right now what it looks like. If we go to something that's interesting, Luke chapter 4, 18 to 19, I want you to hear this. This is something that's also a, a passage from Isaiah. And this is Jesus speaking here, and he says this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Jesus goes on to says, he has set me to proclaim liberty to the captives. In other words, he's setting us free. He's giving us victory. And recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Favor. This is who our Savior is. And this is the words that were spoken before he ever came and walked on the earth. And yet these same words that Jesus, has used, Jesus used to share with his followers as well and with us today. See, here, here's how I believe a victorious life can be defined. A victorious life can be defined by my willingness to do something. See, I can't just sit on my tail and expect victory. I can't sit on my tail and expect somebody to do it for me. I can't just sit there and just wait for something to happen. There's something that I have to do. There's a response that I need to make in life. There's a response that I have to make to a God that loves me. There's no other way of doing this other than to respond to what Jesus is saying. And so the first thing that I need to do is a victorious life can be defined by my willingness to surrender. And here's how I, I, I look at this, and here's where this comes at for me. 
In verse 22 and 23 of the, of the Mark passage that I just scored for you, it says this. And they came to Bethsaida. And some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. One of our first things that we need to surrender is the way that we want things done. That it's got to be done my way. That if it doesn't happen the way I want or the way I picture it, then I'm missing something. And I need to surrender control of, of having it my way, done my way, the way that I want it. And so when I surrender that and I say, you know what, I need to surrender the fact that I want you to do this rather than, you know what, how do you want to work in my life? The second way to surrender is this, and he took the blind man by the hand. Now here's the interesting thing is that when you lead a blind person, you take him by the hand and you're guiding him. See, this blind man had to surrender to Jesus' control. He had to surrender to Jesus' guidance. He had to surrender that, you know what, I have to give up the fact that I'm going to let somebody else lead me. There's a surrender that takes place. And see, we don't look at surrender and victory victory in the same stance, right? When I was in the Marines, we didn't surrender. You don't give up. We don't retreat, right? And so one of the things we have to understand is that we're not in the Marines. We're in God's army. And that a part of this is we have to surrender to our Father and to our Savior and what He wants. It's His way, not our way. It's His leading, not our leading. It's a different way of looking at it. And so we need to be willing to surrender my will, my control of my life, and the way I want things done or think they need to be done. There is power in surrender to Jesus. In His economy, that's the only way it works. The second thing is a victorious life can be defined by my willingness to follow. See, we live in a world that, that there's so many leadership books out, right? There's so many leadership. You can, so many. If you need some, I'll, I'll recommend some to you. There's so many out there, and don't, I get some recommended to me all the time. There's so many. So we, we got this idea that we just got to be leading all the time. And there's nothing wrong with being a strong leader, and there's nothing wrong with leading the way God's called you to lead. But in order for us to lead, we first must learn to follow. And if we never learn to follow, there's no way we can actually learn to lead the way God has called us to. Did you ever, did you ever remember what did Jesus say when he, he met his disciples? He didn't call them leaders at first. He said what? Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He asked them to follow before he ever said, I'm going to give you, I'm ever going to do anything with you. You need to learn, so we need to learn to follow. And so a victorious, looks like, the victorious life looks like this, is a willingness to follow Jesus. In verse 23 of the passage of, of Mark chapter 8, it reads this, the second part of that. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. See, the, the, in order for this blind man to experience victory, in order for him to experience victory from this thing that had him oppressed, he had to learn to follow Jesus. And Jesus led him out of the village, and when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? There was a following that needed to take place. He had to be willing to allow Jesus to do what he was going to do. See, I believe that in the follow is where Jesus turns us and changes our life. He makes us into something different. 
We never get our lives changed unless we learn to follow first. The third thing is this. A victorious life can be defined by my willingness to persist. By my willingness to persist. What do I mean by persist? I mean this, not giving up. Trying again till we get it right. Persist means we just keep going. When we fall, we get back up and we keep walking. When we get hurt, we 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 just keep going. When we when we when we when something bad happens, we don't get caught up in that. We get up and we continue to do exactly what God has called us to do. We learn to persist. In this story, we get to learn how this man, how this blind man, he persisted. I, I love this because in this particular piece, he says this, and he looked up and said, and this is after Jesus told him to look up, and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. So we need to learn to persist in order to have a victorious life. I love this in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 to 58. It says this, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, now did y'all see that? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through who? Therefore, notice that victory has already been given. Notice that victory has already been handed. So then he says, okay, since you've already got victory through Jesus, here's what needs to happen. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be what? What's that mean? Don't give up. It means keep going. It means lock your eyes on Jesus and just keep following. Don't let anybody detour you. Don't let anybody knock you down. Don't let anybody keep you from doing what Jesus has called you to do. Be steadfast. And he goes on, he says, immovable. How many times do we get moved because somebody says something to us we don't like? How many times do we throw in the towel because somebody attempts to push us around? How many times do we throw in the towel in the church world because somebody's mean to us? See, if I'm immovable, the only thing that matters is Jesus. The only thing that matters is what he's done in my life. And no one's going to knock me off of my path with him. Because I have victory. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in what? What's it say? The work of the Lord. I think sometimes we miss this. I've said this before, and, 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 and this is something that's dear to my heart. Do you know that God doesn't talk about ever retiring from the ministry? Do you, do you, ever, do you know in Scripture that even even the, the guys that were in the, the people that were in charge of taking care of the temple, they even still had a, a role of doing that. When you read in the Old Testament, they still had a role in doing that until they went on to see God. There was a place for them. There's this peace in them that they're, 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 you just, you've got to always be abounding in the work of the Lord. It may look different. 
It may look different than whatever season you're in. But there's no, you know what, there's no, it's time for the next generation to do it. That, that doesn't work with God. That doesn't happen. You know why? Because even though the next generation may not see it, and the ne- next generation might not appreciate it, and the next generation may not see the value in it, but there's so much value in the older helping the younger. There's so much value in the older helping lead the younger. There's so much wisdom when the young actually puts their own perspective aside and actually receives wisdom from the older people in the congregation. And that's what I love about our church. We're a church that's filled with some wonderful older people and some wonderful young people, and we need every one of them to make it work, plain and simple. And so there's no, I've done that, I've been there, I don't need to do it anymore. No, I don't, no, I'm sorry. Nope, not here. You're needed. You're wanted, you're valued. The body of Christ only works right when everyone gets involved. And so it says this, because I live in victory, because I've been given victory, I need to, one, be steadfast, which means I don't give up. Uh, Two, I need to be immovable, which means no one's going to knock me off my path. And three, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That means I keep going, abounding. And abounding, you get this image of this guy, when they skip, they're just hopping, and they just keep going. And there's no end to it because it's all about doing the work of the Lord. And why do I do this? Because knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in what? Your labor's not useless. You have a place in the kingdom. And it's not gone, it's not wasted. Not wasted at all. One of my favorite things I've been I've been focusing on lately with everything our church has been doing. With everything we've been doing this past couple months. And someone says, Have you seen a, an, in, an increase in people coming? No. But all we're doing is planting seeds and we'll let God take care of the rest, won't we? We'll just keep planting seeds. We'll keep loving people. We'll keep doing what God's called us to. And we'll let Him worry about who comes through the door. And when they come through the door, we'll love them. Because our work is not in vain. So a victorious life can be defined by my willingness to persist. The fourth thing is this. A victorious life can be defined by my willingness to change. Who likes change in here? Be honest. Change, right? Change is hard. I'm not talking about the money change. Let me be clear. I'm not talking about the loose change in the cup holder. and, and uh, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about change and my life being changed. See, a, a, a victorious life can be defined by my willingness to change, by my, allowing my life to be changed. In verse 26, we see this. And he sent him to his home saying, do not even enter the village. Now in that one small verse, we see something that's very powerful. In that one small verse, that one sentence that one statement by Jesus what he's saying is you need to change your life you need to be willing to change your life you need to be willing to put the past to rest you need to be willing to walk away from the very people who lack faith in me 
You need to be willing to walk away from the very people who would give you some money to help you live. You need to walk away from the very pe- the place that you would go day in and day out in order for your life to be sustained. Don't go back there. And it was a drastic change. It was a big change in his life that Jesus was asking him to do. It was not a small deal. What, Bethany, what this place meant to them, what this place uh, stood for this guy, and him having to not go back there was huge. And sometimes in our own world, we need to identify the places we need to not go back to. Let me, let me put it this way. How many times do we get caught up in negative thinking? Yep. How many times do we get caught up in a hurt from the past? We do. We, we get caught up in a hurt. Someone did something to me. Or better yet, someone didn't do what they should have done for me. So we get caught there. Do you know that in order for life change to happen? Scripture says it this way. Be, be, um, be changed by the renewing of your Society calls it CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. It says that you've got to change your thoughts in order for your life to change. So however you look at it, if you want to look at it, if you want to look at it from the psychological perspective or you want to look at it from scriptural perspective, by the way, scripture is always right. So um, and anything that's useful in society usually can be based on scripture. Uh, so anyway, so we're sitting here in this whole renewing piece. Guess what? You want your life to change? Don't let your mind go back to that, that hurt. Don't let your mind go back to that pain. Don't let your mind dwell in, the, in, in that place of hurt, in that place of pain, in that place of, of that wants to keep you oppressed and shut down and blind and not seeing who Jesus is. Don't go back to that place. And you say, well, Chad, it's not that easy. No, it's not easy, and I'm not saying it is. But you know what it is? It's possible with Jesus. It's possible to say, you know what, I'm not going to sit in this place of blindness. I'm not going to sit in this place of hurt. I'm not going to sit in this place of pain. I am going to choose to step out of it and focus on Jesus and start following Him. I'm going to choose to not let what someone else has done to me or said to me keep me down. I'm going to choose to change the way I think about it. And my life will be changed through it. There's this peace that he wants to change in us. You want to change your marriage. Stop doing the stupid stuff you did yesterday and start doing something good today. What do you mean by that? Listen. If your spouse is saying something, listen to them. And it may be in code and you may miss it, right? But if, if your wife or your, or your spouse is saying, hey, can you spend more time with me? Guess what that means? You think it's not. But I make a lot of money based off people not picking us up. It's quite amazing what people pay me to point out the obvious. Listen to them. Right? Connect daily. As a couple. Connect daily as a couple. 
Ready? If, you're, if your spouse looks to you and says, I need more affection from you, guess what you don't do? You don't go to the other room and hide. You show them affection. Six-second hug, there you go. But, so there's this piece that sometimes we got to do something different. If you notice your kids are on the wrong track and they're, they're acting up, Maybe there's something different I need to do in raising them. Maybe doing the same thing over and over and getting the same results is called stupidity. And so I need to change my tactics and getting something different from my kids. See, when Jesus, when Jesus wants to do something different in our lives, he's calling us to change something dramatically. He's calling us to do something different. You see, I don't think we grasp what he was asking this man to do. He was asking to do, for him to do something dramatic in his life in order for it to be changed. A victorious life will never happen unless we're willing to change the place we're in right now or change the mindset we're in right now or change something in our life that's keeping us from experiencing. It will never happen. And we'll question whether God really has it in store for us to experience. And at the, all at the same time, he's asking us, what are you willing to do to experience? First John five fifteen reads this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the who? Is the Christ. Has been born of God. And everyone who the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God... And obey his commandments. For this is the love of God. That we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not what? Real quick. Two commandments that we need to really focus in on. is The first one is we need to love who? God. The second one is we need to love others. If we're missing that. Our love for God's missing. Love him, love others. So we get to this point, he says this, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. See, when, well, here's what I've learned is this. Is when loving people becomes burdensome to me, becomes heavy to me, I'm learning that I'm not taking good care of myself. Do you know that a part of loving other people is learning to love yourself? Part of loving other people is learning to actually love yourself. I heard a story, and, and, and I thought this was interesting. When the day I was scheduled to be born on a certain day. And so one of the things that happened was his dad says, well, you can't, be, you can't go into labor on Tuesday because that's my softball night. And so... Um, I thought that was interesting, because if I had to pull that with Julie, I, I would be divorced. So anyway, um, but, it, but what was interesting is I, I, I'm watching this piece, and, and I'm watching how my dad took care of himself over the years. And my, I learned this as an adult. My dad's outlet was softball. He loved it. He loved to go play softball. That's how he relieved stress. And he was dedicated to it. I mean, that's what, and so there was a piece that I learned from my dad that you've got to learn to take care of yourself. And I lost sight of this this past summer. 
past spring and summer, I started letting things get to me. I started letting things weigh on me. I, things became burdensome. I have to be honest. Loving people became a little difficult for me. And finally, finally, I came into this encounter, this conversation that had said this. I remember God spoke clearly. And let's just be honest. I was in the Word, and I was, I was spending time with God. But there was a piece that I forgot to take care of myself. And so this is what I started doing. We got, went to vacation, got back from vacation, and I said, I went to, just started, started tweaking my workouts. And by tweaking them, I actually started doing them on a consistent basis. So it was kind of awesome. But here's what happened in that particular life, that particular span. Within a matter of uh, 45 minutes to an hour a day of just taking care of myself, of working out, of, of pouring into myself, do you know that my love for people has grown? And I'm a guy that sits in for eight to nine hours and listens to people share their lives or complain one after another. And I noticed that I was tired of hearing them complain sometimes. And that sometimes I wanted to throw a shoe at them. But I had to start learning what it meant to take care of myself. See, this change piece that he talks about in this is this. For this is the love that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. And here's what I'll say. If you notice that there's something burdensome about keeping his commandments, I'm going to ask you this. What are you doing to take care of yourself? What change do you need to make? For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. It is our, our belief in who Jesus is and what he did. He has given us victory, and it starts in our belief with who He is. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Church, if I ever want to experience victory in my life, if I ever want to experience what it means to live free, if I ever want to experience what it means to have a victorious life, I have to first learn that it's a process that God takes me through and it doesn't happen overnight. It is a process that he wants to walk me through and it's not instant. And I have to be willing to surrender to who he is. I have to be willing to follow a Jesus, a Savior that loves me. And I have to be willing to persist and not give up when things go wrong. And I need to make a major change in my life. And when I do these things, I'll start experiencing what it means to be victorious in life. When I truly follow the one that loves me and listen to what he says. And my prayer for our church is that we'll be a church that lives victorious. We'll be a church that experiences true victory in life. Because we're willing to do what no others will do. Let's pray. Father God, we love you, and we thank you. We thank you for your goodness and kindness. We thank you that you are a God who has given us victory, who has already claimed it, who has already set it in motion. Lord, so as we work through the process and and the process of our lives being changed and knowing that it's not instant and it's not something that happens at the snap of a finger, but, Father, it is a process that happens when we are willing to, to do something with our own lives. And it starts with a surrender to you. 
and giving our lives to you and saying we will follow you. It also includes us being persistent and not giving up. But, Lord, there's sometimes we just need to make a change. And, Lord, show us that change we need to make, whether it's in our thinking, whether it's in our actions, whether it's in our environment, whether it's in and where we're stuck. Lord, give us the courage to do exactly what you've called us to do. And, Lord, may we live out a victorious life for you, pointing people to you. We love you and praise you, and we give you all the glory for what you are doing, for what you have done, and what you are going to do. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we close today, there are a couple opportunities for us to respond. The communion tables are open, and you can come over as you remember what Jesus did for you, his bloodshed and body given for us. That in that moment, victory was given because he died for us. So you can partake in the communion. You can also give back. If you aren't here last Sunday and you need to make your commitment, you can throw those commitment cards in the offering bin, and that's all good. You can do that. Or if you have a tithe or an offering to offer, you can throw those and give that as an offering to him as well. Uh, you, we can stand and sing. And lastly, our prayer team will be over to pray with you. If you have anything you need prayed over, come over here and get prayed over. You respond how God will.